Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Second Sunday for Bayside for this year. I'm so privileged to preach and I'm excited because uh, Pastor Ross and Mary are back next week. Um, and then we're leading into Vision Sunday, which again is the 4th of February, um, which I encourage you to be here. So good. If you don't know, I'm the, the youth pastor here at Bayside. And um, it is such a privilege, and I've got an amazing crew around me. And uh, we've got young people, and while we're talking about Planet Boom, um, yes, you can give, but there's actually quite a few spots left to go as well. And we've got almost no girls going. Um, so it's just like we've got two girls going currently, two girls and lots of boys. Um, so I just want to give a couple of, like, um, details around that because again there's nothing wrong with just all boys going but we want some more girls but if you have a young person that's um like teenager age so from well teenagers basically 12 now <laughs> 12 through 18 um and they want to have an impactful four days away at brisbane with us um that will transform their lives absolutely transform their lives forever um we are going next week or this week sorry on Wednesday down to Brisbane to City Point Church to the Planet Boom which is a youth conference through till Saturday it's $180 per person and if you have a young person that wants to come with us like please just I'll I'll get you the link it's easy to enroll all that sort of stuff is that cool who here knows the young person there we go go and invite them for me please can you do that um, but yeah, we need we need to get some uh, people sorted quick because we've paid for spots. Um, it would it would suck to have paid for spots and not have kids fill them. Is that cool? All right, so good. You can be seated, church. Amen. Praise God. So good. Well, I want to take you on a bit of a journey today, um, a journey of my life over what felt like the last two years. And um, it's not a sad journey. (laughs) It's a good journey. Um, And I'm actually just going to, I'm actually going to hopefully impart something to you today that will um, help carry you through 2024. And um, I'm by no means gifted with the office of a teacher. I'm not the son of a teacher, but I am married to one. So that's got to count for something. Is that cool? There we go. We've been married for seven years and a little bit has been passed on to me. Maybe. But uh, about two years ago, the beginning of 2022, uh, I was asking God um, some questions, questions about... Um, my purpose, what he wanted me to do, where he wanted me to go. And what I felt was that, um, I've, what I felt him say to me, what he, in, he, he um, impressed on my heart was that I needed to start discipling people. And I said, okay, awesome. What do you want that to look like? Because one thing that I've noticed is that when God asks you to do something, it's a really bad idea to assume that you just know how to do it. <laughs> um, and one thing I know about discipleship, if you look at, at my specific age generation, millennials, a lot of a, quite a lot of our generation had younger church experiences um, and got saved in a mighty move of God. But actually, if we're honest, a lot of those people that got saved... Um, aren't walking with God at the moment. I have a lot of people in my life that I grew up with in church and had God encounters that aren't walking with the Lord at this moment. So that tells me something that I probably don't have the best idea on how to do discipleship. Does that make sense? Somewhere along the line, we've got it wrong. Because discipleship isn't just making sure someone gets saved, but it's making sure they grow. And so... I asked the Lord, I said, okay, well, what does discipleship look like? Because again, I don't want to assume I just know. 
So this is in 2022. And the whole year, God took me on a year-long journey about what his view, according to Matthew Einstein, of what discipleship looked like. And, um, and when it boils down, it, it was around about probably September um, in 2022. And I was praying, praying on it because I still felt like God had shown me a lot of things, but I didn't know what, what that, like how that looked, how that played out, what, what was it meant to be, how is it meant to, um, how is discipleship meant growing someone's heart? And if you're here and you got it sorted out, kudos to you, I was still on that journey, okay? And um, I have discipled people in the past, but I just, I didn't want it to make an event, I wanted to create a lifestyle that everywhere I walked, and following my journey, my faith in Christ, I wanted there to be disciples made, not just an intentional thing. And one thing I learned is that six, eight-week courses are amazing discipleship tools. But if you've completed a six to eight-week discipleship tool, doesn't mean you're discipled. Amen? A few people are like, oh, man. <laughs> huh, okay, sweet. So this is what I felt God say to me around discipleship. I felt he, him say this, discipleship in its simplest form, its simplest DNA is when the character of God is formed in someone. The character of God formed in someone. What's that look like on a personal level? Am I creating atmospheres am i creating environments am i creating spaces where the nature of god can be formed in people that could be a six to eight week course i'm not hating on that i'm not saying that's wrong i'm saying they're amazing tools but are you planting yourself in an environment where the nature of god is getting formed in you because I can tell you there are many different environments, different spaces in our world that create the nature of something in you. It just might not be the nature of God. Does that make sense? Okay. So good. So God, take me on this journey. I said, okay, I want to create a space where the nature of God can be formed in people. Not the nature of Matt. Not even the nature of Bayside. I want the nature of God formed in people i would hate for people to to get to the end of their life one day and then someone says are you saved and they say yeah i've got the nature of bayside i don't want that i don't even want people to say i was discipled by matt ironside i want people to say i have been in atmospheres i have put myself in places i have sat underneath people where the nature of jesus christ the righteous is formed in me is that cool so good so today i want to give us a couple of keys um, that i learned on my journey which i did with a group of people over the last year 2023 um, that's going to help us grow and flourish in 2024 does that sound good Amen? Amen? Are you guys all right with that? Yeah. You guys have plenty of notes for your debrief sessions, right, later in the week? So good. So what I did was I actually started a discipleship school. Um, it's not an academic school, but it is a place where we become students. And I was like, well, then it's a school. And um, I called it Multiply because that sounded awesome. And we meet here on a Wednesday afternoon from 4 to 530 Sometimes longer, it depends on what happens. Um, and we, we started this, I started this, not with an intention, again, that I just wanted to create a space where we're just going to be just reading the word because that's what you do if you're a disciple. And we're just going to pray because that's what we do if we're a disciple. I actually, again, wanted to create a space where the nature of God is formed in people. And so... I asked God, I said, how do you want that to happen? Because again, if we just assume we know how to do stuff when God asks us to do something, it doesn't always go that great. So I always want to be like, God, how do you want this done? How do you want this played out? And so I said, what do you want us to focus on 
at this discipleship school. And he said, I want you to focus on the two first major questions I asked humanity in the beginning of time. I was like, that's great, God. What are they? And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to go look. And uh, these two questions are found in Genesis. And the, f- the first one is found in Genesis 3.9. And the second one is found in Genesis 4.9. And so today, I'm going to take you through these two questions. Is that cool? You ready? Question number one, where are you? Question number two, where is your brother? Do you want me to say that again? Question number one, Genesis 3.9, where are you? Question number two, Genesis 4.9, where is your brother? You want to start with me on the first question? Who's got the notebooks out? Tablets, smartphones? Great. Genesis 3.9, first question. And let me take this, right? This is what I feel. The person that can honestly answer these questions back to God, not to me, back to God, I believe is the foundation of a mature Christian. This is what I think. Genesis 3.9, uh, 3, 3.9, but I'm going to start in 8 just so we get some context. And if you know anything about Genesis or the beginning or the creation story is that God created uh, Eden, a place for him to dwell in with his kids. And he put Adam and Eve in there, not Adam and Steve. And Adam and Eve are dwelling together. I'm sorry, are we in church? Is that cool? Sweet. So Adam and Eve are dwelling together, right, in relationship with God. And God gives them this whole garden to have dominion over and to work together as a team as husband and wife in covenant together and in covenant with God to have dominion over the garden, but he gives them one rule. Do not partake of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Who knows the story? Yeah, a few of us? Great. So good. You finished your eight-week course. <laughs> Is it okay to have some fun today? All right, I'm, all right again, I'm not, I'm not the son of a teacher. I'm married to a teacher, so I kind of got the funny side, all right? I'm like, your, I'm like your grade 10 PE teacher, okay? We're having fun today. And I'm going to get you to do some stuff later because we're in school. Is that cool? I'm kind of taking all you guys and I'm compressing all of last year into about 35 minutes. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And you're just going to have to hang on for the ride. Sound good? So actually, with the school, with Multiply... Um, we're going to be going into a second year next year. Uh, you don't get any form of qualification, certification uh, when you finish, other than the fact that I pray the nature of Christ is, is formed in you. That's all you get, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, I could do you something like laminate it out and give it to you, but I kind of feel like that's, that sucks. So, but um, there's probably about 15 of us that, that journeyed together this past year, and uh, I would say the fruit is phenomenal and the people that journeyed with me I had the privilege of leading them um, in uh, receiving the nature of Christ in them. So Genesis 3, 9, uh, 3, 8 and 9 says this, And they heard, this is Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden and in the, cool, uh, in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among all among the trees of the garden. Ready? Verse 9, it says this. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? First question. Notice God didn't ask, What did you do? Although God knew full well of the circumstances that have just occurred. Am I right? He didn't say, He didn't say, Well, you've done it now, Adam. Although knowing full well, Adam and Eve have just wrecked God's plan, right? He didn't even say, I'm disappointed, Adam. 
not angry. I'm, I'm sorry, King. He, didn't, he said, where are you? This, asks, this, 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 for me, opens up a whole landscape of exploration of what could have happened in this moment. So the, the scripture says that Adam and Eve hid themselves because of shame. This tells me that when they sinned, they felt the need to isolate and distance themselves from God before God even commanded anything to happen. So this is what it looks like to me. God's daily routine would be that he would come into the garden in a time that pleased him, in a nature that pleased him, and his, his, um, his arrival would be like this. Adam and Eve waiting for him to arrive. Why? Because he's their father. Why? Because they enjoy him. Why? Because they understand that everything they need is found in God. Okay? Now we see that they have self-isolated from God, not because God told them to, not because God said, you are now full of sin, depart from me. He hadn't even said that yet. They did it themselves. So God asks this question, where are you? So I'm going to ask this question, what would have happened if Adam and Eve were waiting in eager anticipation for God's arrival with a repentant heart? What would have happened? What would the story look like? Right? Obviously, God has the redemption plan, which is Jesus Christ the righteous, where he would come 2,000 years ago, die on a cross after living the life we couldn't live, paying for the sins of the whole world so that we could receive salvation through Christ in his blood. Right? But what would have happened if Adam and Eve were in eager expectation of God's arrival with a repentant heart rather than allowing sin to separate them because of how they felt. Can you imagine that scene? Just in your mind, just imagine that. What would have happened? Revelations uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 5 says this. I'm going to be reading, a, like jumping around a bit of scripture because this is, again, I'm pulling together a whole year for like a 35-minute roller coaster with for you guys. Is that okay? All right, Revelations 2, verse 1 to 5, right? This is uh, Jesus talking to John about stuff that he has to tell and write to the seven churches, Okay. And it says this, verse 1, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say to him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil and have found them liars, verse 3, And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless... I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Ready? Listen to this. Therefore, remember where you have fallen. Do you know what we call Adam and Eve partaking of the fruit of the tree of the good and evil? We call it the? The fall. Remember from where you have fallen. Where are you? Where are you? Are you burning with first love or have you fallen? These are the questions that are stirring in the heart. And I believe if we can, if you're in this room today, and as I'm talking about this question, where are you? Or if you're online or you're watching this later, whatever, you're in the right place because I believe the fruit of this house, the fruit of the nature of Christ in us being formed in this moment is God, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm burning in first love. I may have fallen at times, but I have repented and I've come back. I will not allow sin to separate me before you've given the command for me to depart. God, I am here, burning with first love. 
right? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Where are you, God? I've got a repentant heart. I'm here, Lord. Whatever your answer is going to be, God, I'm here. God, I remember from where the height. I remember from where the height I have fallen from. God, I return to the works I did at first, which was all I had to do was love you. Um, Luke 10, 42 says this, Jesus talking to Mary, right? And he says one thing. Sorry, Jesus talking to Martha, he's saying one thing is needed. One thing. One thing. Repent. Turn to first love. Song of Solomon's 8 verse 6 to 7 says this, Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living consuming flame will seal you as a prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. This fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Place it. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your whole being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish the flame unless endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you everything will be consumed it will not stop at any um stop at anything as you yield everything to the furnace fire until it won't even seem like a sacrifice to you anymore fire of first love the fire of first love right fire from he will seal you where are you? Oh, God, I'm sealed. I'm sealed. I'm sealed. You know, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit, you can quench him. You can resist him. You can grieve him. But nowhere in the Bible have I read that he says you will be unsealed. When you are submitted to the fire of first love, the Bible says you are sealed, sealed as a guarantee and inheritance, right? Sealed. Where are you? God, I'm sealed. I'm here. I'm sealed with first love. Is this good? Are you guys taking notes? So good. My prayer is this. That there is a generation of people connected to this community that when God steps into their life and asks the oldest question in humanity, where are you, my son? Where are you, my daughter? They can answer boldly, I'm right here, Lord. I'm not in shame. I'm right here, Lord. Jesus, you've paid for me to come boldly before the throne of grace. I'm right here, Lord. I know, I'm, I'm here, Lord. Speak. Your servant is listening. God, I know your voice. I know your presence. I know the tangibility of your walk. I know your son, Jesus. I know your spirit. I know what it feels like when you step into the room. I know your conviction. God, I know you're leading. God, I'm here. Where are you? I'm right here, Lord. Waiting in anticipation with a repentant heart. Is this good? Yes. Woo. First question, where are you? Second question. Can I just make this note? You can't fake these questions. Sorry, you can't fake your answers. Does that make sense? You can't fake them. You might be able to say, oh, I'm here, Lord. But you know. <laughs> and I'm not trying to push buttons or or condemn people in this room, this is the conviction of God reaching out to you. When, when God comes knocking on your door and says, where are you? You can't fake your answer. You can't fake your answer. You can say one thing, but you can't fake it. Today, this year, let's get honest. Let's get so honest with God. Let's get so honest with God. And you say, God, I don't feel sealed. I, I, I'm, I'm not there. I'm hiding. Honestly, God, I'm hiding. 
Your voice scares me. Your calling scares me. God, I've been in sin. I'm over here. I'm hiding in shame. You have not even commanded me to depart from you. And yet I have isolated myself because when you ask that question, it scares me, God. You can be honest. <laughs> you can be humble. You can come before God and say, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I am. I'm lost. I'm lost, God. Teach me. Form your nature in me, God. This is discipleship. Is, is, this, is this speaking to you guys? Do you feel this? Do you feel the weight of this? Oh, God is wanting to do something in our people. God is wanting to do something in our city where he is birthing true disciples that aren't just disciples by name, disciples by religion, or attenders of church, or seat warmers, or hand lifters. He's raising people that carry the nature of God. Why? Because they're in proximity to Jesus. Praise Jesus. Second question. Oh, this one stings a bit. Where is your brother? Where is your brother? Here we go. Genesis 4, 9. Again, I'm going to read 8 and 9. If you don't know the story, here's a brief overview, right? Adam and Eve give, um, have two sons. Elder son, Cain. Younger son, Abel. Right? Cain worked the ground. Abel managed the sheep. Okay? They bro both are bringing offerings before God. They're bringing their, their offerings to, before God. Cain brings what he's, he's brought up from the dirt, and Abel brings in um, the firstborn sheep, right? And it's the Bible says that God accepted Abel's offering, but listen to this, rejected Cain and his offering. And then we come, there's a conversation that God has with uh, Cain, which I'd love for you to go and read one time. So take notes and say, read verse 6, 7, before you get to 8 and 9. But 8 and 9 says this, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Where is your brother? Second question. Cain's response. I don't know. <laughs> Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you. Where is your brother? And God is, is wanting to ask this question to us as a church community as well. Where is your brother? Where is your brother? Are you accountable for your brother? Is your brother with you? Is your brother out there somewhere yet to be found? Where is your brother? I want to break this into three parts, okay? I told you I'm getting, I've got points today. I've got, man, we are, we're powering. Right. Who's, got the, who's actually taking notes today? Praise God, 15% of our church. Shakabundi, this is revival, amen? God. <laughs> oh, so good. It's okay, I struggle to take notes in church too. I like to focus and I've got a really good memory. So, <laughs> Three parts. First part, discipleship. Second part, friendship. Third part, family. I'm going to say that again. Three parts. I want to break this question. Where is your brother? Into three parts. First part, discipleship. Second part, friendship. Third part, family. And I even I feel like this sermon today, this teaching today, is actually going to create a foundation for a lot of what our year and what our leadership team is wanting to, to roll out this year as well. Yeah, our, our theme for this year, spoiler alert, before Vision Sunday, is, um, is our church theme, <laughs> Encounter, Connect, Belong. Thank you, Pastor Peter Ford. Thank you, Pastor, Assistant Pastor Peter Ford. 
Again, youth pastor, sorry. Um, and this, I believe, is going to actually give a foundation for everything that we're going to be rolling out this year. We've got so many amazing tools that are going to empower us this year in discipleship, in allowing the nature of Christ to be formed in us, allowing spaces, creating environments, creating atmospheres where the nature of Christ, not the nature of Pastor Matt, not the nature of Pastor Ross, not the nature of Pastor Pete, not the, ra- not the nature of anyone on this platform, but the nature of Christ. And this will, I believe these points are actually going to create a foundation for that. Is this okay? So good. First point, discipleship. Are you ready? So again, I shared my journey. I don't want, I don't, I don't want my perception of how discipleship should be to shape what God is telling me to do. I want to hear it from him. And this is what I feel. This is what I really want to, um, us to lean into today, all right? So I believe there are two types of disciples. There are forest disciples and there are garden disciples. Can you guys see the difference? One is wild, beautiful, and amazing, untouched, unkept, and one is pruned, manicured, set in order. Right? Both bear fruit, but only one fruit is utilized. Forest disciple, garden disciple. Both bear fruit. Who here has been to a forest or a rainforest or a jungle and there's fruit everywhere, right? Who's picking it? No one. You ever been to a garden where fruit is ripe? Right? There's a gardener trimming, pruning. Does this make sense? The fruit is utilized. My question is this. Which type of disciple are you? Are you a forest disciple or a garden disciple? Let me say this, right? John 15 verse 1 through 8 says this, right? This is Jesus, red letters, Jesus' words. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that is that in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. God, that's not fair. You said the one that doesn't bear fruit, you get rid of. And the one that does, you cut it off. This is the nature of God. This is upside down kingdom right listen it says this he takes away and every fruit that bears fruit he prunes that it will bear more fruit you are already clean because the word which i have spoken to you abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit on itself unless it abides in the vine neither neither can you unless you abide in me verse 5 i am the vine and you are the branches god's making it very clear here today i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them up and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, I will ask what you are... Sorry, I messed myself up. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's a powerful statement. Verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my... This is a garden disciple. One may be fruitful in a season, but it's unkept and unpruned, and its fruitfulness will decrease. One is kept by a gardener, its fruitful... fruitful Fruitfulness less, is that right? Lack of fruit. (laughs) It's fruitlessness, right? 
See, married to a teacher, not an actual teacher. Remember, its lack of fruit is cut away so that it can be fruitful in every season and multiply in harvest. Which disciple are you? Forest disciple or a garden disciple? I told you it would get spicy and a bit hard today. See, God is wanting to actually grow his character, his nature in us. Be honest, you can't fake this question. What type of a disciple are you? Because you're a disciple of something, believe it or not. It might not be God, but it's something, okay? In every area in our lives, we are put in atmospheres where the nature of something will be formed in us, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, okay? So what type of disciple are you? Are you a forest disciple or a garden disciple? Can I tell you, the devil is a very good gardener as well. He, he prunes men and women from a very young age. He might start with a, with, a, with a young person at three years old and the enemy will start to disciple a three-year-old for a purpose that he has at 33. He is into long-term discipleship, right? What type of a disciple are we? Forest disciple or a garden disciple? Again, we take Christian culture and we say, yes, um, yes, ma'am, thank you, bam, right? And we go, eight-week course, great tool, not having a crack at any form of curriculum of discipleship tools. That's not what I'm trying to do to you today. But we start there and we finish there and we don't actually allow ourselves to become God prunes. He cuts off stuff that isn't fruitful and he proves things that are so that we can bear fruit in every season, not just some seasons, every season, but not just that, our fruit will multiply. Praise God. He is a good vine dresser. He's a good gardener. He is a good father. Which one are we? Right? So discipleship, go and make disciples is the most prominent command from Jesus, which we call the Great Commission. Am I right? Okay. Each of the Gospels have a form of Great Commission, right? In the most prominent, Matthew, Luke, and Mark, right? Probably more prominent, Matthew and Mark. They say this, right? Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says this, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore... And make of all nations. Go and make disciples. Go and create environments and atmospheres and spaces where the nature of God can be formed in people wherever you go. Doesn't that break it down so much easier for you? Do you know you don't even have to know everything about the Bible to, to, be a, to disciple someone? You just have to know a little bit more than the person you're discipling. <laughs> but honestly, it's more about creating an environment where God's nature is able to be formed in someone. Go and make disciples. Go and allow God's nature, wherever you go, to be formed in someone. Conversation over lunch. God's nature, allow it to be formed in someone. School. God's nature, formed in my peer. Uni, God's nature formed in my peer, right? Workplace, God's nature formed in my coworker. Does this make sense? Oh man, it makes it so much more accessible, doesn't it? God's nature formed in... It's, it's not even... Do you know the Bible doesn't say, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life? <laughs> it's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> Isn't that freeing? It's so freeing. Do you know, I am not the way, I am not the truth, and I am not the life. <laughs> it's not me. It says that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, and it's his nature, not mine, that gets formed in people. That's discipleship. Praise God. Is this giving you guys some keys and just some foundation to really build on this year? Because I can tell you what, if we can get this right and we understand that the church of Jesus Christ, the body, the community that we are in, is not even about creating leaders. It's not. 
about creating disciples. It's not about creating preachers. It's not. It's about creating disciples. It's not about creating prophets. It's about creating disciples. God's nature formed in people. Mark 16, right? I'm just going to wrap it up because of time. Because I'm 10, 11 minutes over already. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Let me tell you this. The fruit of the gospel, discipleship. Does that make sense? Because what's the gospel? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. His nature formed in people when they received the gospel. Discipleship. (laughs) Oh, this makes me so happy. It does. Because God has given us something that's so achievable. Because for so long, we think it's all on us to form people into God's character. It's not about you. You're just a conduit. Create a space, create an atmosphere where God's nature can be formed in people. Praise God. Okay, you ready? Friendship. So my uncle, uh, my uncle married a Colombian woman. Her name's Mary. And they moved to Colombia. And I was so excited about that because I was waiting for my invitation. He led quite a large ministry there. Um, who here's heard of Global Care? Anyone heard of Global Care, right? He ran Global Care Columbia, all right? And he had these massive crusades with 50,000 people and just phenomenal. And I was just waiting for my invite to come and preach in Columbia. So I started practicing my Spanish. And I was practicing, I'm not very good, but I was like, if I can just get a couple of phrases right. Spirit of Santo de Dios, fuego, fire. Fuego! Santo! Fuego! Right? Fuego Dios! Santo de Fuego! Spirit of burning! You know what I mean? I'm like, but it mustn't have been very good at all because I sent my uncle a video and he just, there was a little three bubbles come up and then they went away. (laughs) (laughs) We never got an invite to Columbia. But you know, one thing that's funny, the word friend in Spanish, amigos, right, for male friend, amiga for female friend, okay, they got it right. Um, The word, right, root word in Latin is this, amicas, right, and this is powerful, stay with me. I'll tell you that whole story, we have a laugh because I'm going to land a point, okay, Amicus, the word for friend in Latin, is a two-part word. Are you ready? Have you got your notebooks out? Have you got your pens? Write this bad boy down. This one's for free, okay? Actually, everything we do here is for free. You should enjoy it. It's great. Okay? Two-part word. First part is amesis, which means soul. Second part is custus, meaning custody or custodian. Oh, how we have lowered the meaning and the weight of friendship because it really, if you're a friend with someone, you are custodian of their soul. How many people around you are you truly, right, you can't fake this question, are you truly a custodian of their soul? Custodian doesn't mean, or custody isn't meaning, you dictate how they do and live their life. No. It means that no matter what they go through, you will never leave. I care too much about your soul. I care too much about you to allow what is happening in your life to destroy you. I am here for you. You want a biblical? You're like, Matt, mm, I don't know. That's just Latin. <laughs> right? You ready? First Samuel. Let me actually let me put it like this, right? True friendship is the reality of I am a custodian of the soul, right? Biblical friendship is covenant friendship. Ready? Ready for this. First Samuel 18, 1 to 4 reads. So this is um, this is uh, Jonathan. 
the son of King Saul, and David, the freshly anointed new king of Israel, right, by Samuel. And David has just defeated, defeated Goliath, just taken down this big dude with a rock and a sling, this little shepherd boy, right? And it says this, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knitted to the soul of David. I'm going to just let that sit for a moment. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. In that moment, Jonathan realized, no matter the situation, no matter what happens, I've just met this dude. He seems pretty legit. He just took down a 10-foot giant, 12-foot giant, right? Legit dude. I don't know his background. He's still got a little bit of oil on his head from when Samuel anointed him. But you know what? Something about his spirit stirs me. I'm going to unite myself to him. And I'm going to be a custodian of his soul. And then it goes on to this, right? Custodian of the soul. And then we move on to covenant friendship. Saul took him that day and would not let him, David, go home to his father's house anymore. Um, Verse 3, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off his robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. What is the significance of robe, armor, sword and belt, right? Jonathan saw prophetically what was on David's life as king and knowing that when David takes over and succeeds his father's throne, which was meant for Jonathan, no matter what my status may change, I am still knitted to you. I am still in covenant to you. You have my robe, meaning status, and you have my sword. No matter what scenario we go into, I am in covenant with you. I've, I've um, Since this revelation has been made, um, I have made covenant with friends, right? Friends that I'm like, I am going to be a custodian of your soul. I, not meaning I'm going to control what you do, meaning I am here for you, right? And um, this one friend, good friend of mine, we were chatting about this, and I was like, well, what, what can we do? Let's, let's exchange something. Let's make covenant, right? Let's make covenant. And I was like, there's a bakery down the road. <laughs> True story. It's a bakery down the road, and they sell mean meat pies. So we went down there, I bought a meat pie, and we shared it, and we made a covenant and friendship over meat pie. (laughs) It's not about the thing, it's about the spirit, right? The exchanging of things, something physical, is a prophetic declaration in the spirit realm of what's happening in that moment. As you know, Psalms 133 talks about the unity between friends. It literally talks about the power of it. And it said, It is as sweet as the anointing oil poured on the high priest Aaron. Meaning that the, the, the knitting of the soul, the uniting of covenant friendship, is as precious and sought after as the anointing of God Himself. <laughs> Haven't we lowered friendship? Can you see this being played out? We run into parents at the car park at school. Oh, hey, we live in the same suburb. Let's be friends. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't start there, but that's not friendship. Let's get back to biblical friendship. Let's be a people that when we call ourselves Christians, even our friendships carry a different value to those of the world. Amen? Amen? Can you imagine that testimony? Well, even their friendship groups look different. What's going on here? Oh, yeah, we're in covenant. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're in, I, I am a custodian of their soul. I value them. My, my, my soul is knitted. To, this is not something we have to be ashamed of. This is something we can lean into. This is the people of God. This is God's design. Whew. All right, I want to get you guys out, but I want to do something really, really powerful. I'm going to do two actions, and I'm going to go through the last point really quick because I know we've been in here for a long time. Is that okay? Hey, Kurt, 
Can you stand up for me, brother? Why don't you come up here? Okay. Yeah, come right up, Kurt. Just jump up. Yeah, go, my brother. I was meant to hide that. I love you, bro. I love you too, man. I, I haven't known Kurt for a long time. Honestly, what? Probably like four months? I reckon so. Right? There's something about Kurt that I love. Right? Okay? Kurt is an amazing man of God. And the other day, he invited me to the Bunnings Cafe. (laughs) And it was glorious. (laughs) And he showered me a drink, and it was amazing. But in that moment, and I was thinking about today, I said, Kurt won't mind. Um, I'm going to perform a prophetic action and I am going to make covenant with my friend, Kurt, today by the exchanging... Don't clap yet. hasn't happened. <laughs> by the exchanging, right? This is a pocket knife in church, on stage. I've had this pocket knife since I was a little boy. And I want to give it to you today to keep as a sign that I want my soul to be needed to yours. And I want to make covenant with you, my brother. Is that cool? Love you. So this is what I want you to do. Okay? I want you to stand up. And there are people here that you call friends. It might even be your family. Now listen, this is not what I'm saying. Don't go to someone you don't know. Don't don't go to someone that you are not legitimately able to be a custodian of their soul. Don't do this half-heartedly. If that means you don't do it, that's fine. But if there is someone here today that you know, you know what? I want to make this promise to them. I want to make this prophetic declaration of their life. I want you to grab whatever you have. Pull out, get in your pockets if you've got a tissue, right? (laughs) Even if it's used. If you've got a pen, whatever. You might need, this might be between spouses today, right? But you know, you say, you know what? I, I want to be, I want to make a covenantal commitment to you today of friendship. I am no longer going to walk out my friendships as a uh, my Christian life and my friendships dictated by the worldly status of friend I'm taking it deeper is that so I'm going to give you two minutes and you guys are going to make these exchanges today is that cool all right two minutes two minutes it's easy there you go two minutes go thank you for joining us the Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.basarchristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Basar Christian Church.